Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing today? There we go. Good morning. They're already clapping. (laughs) Thank you, guys. (laughs) So, as you can see, we got the doors propped open. It's sunny outside. It's beautiful outside. And so, if you don't know already, I'm from Manitoba. You guys actually live permanently where our dream vacation is. And I I don't think you guys are grateful enough for that. (laughs) So, I'm here to tell you that it's amazing outside. You live in a beautiful place. And I think Trevor made the mistake last week of telling you guys that I would be preaching. Um, so, but you guys still showed up today. It's beautiful outside. You live in a dream vacation spot. And you still showed up to listen to me. So thank you guys for coming, seriously. So if you don't know who I am yet, my name is Clay. And that's my wife, Chantille, over there. She's sitting with her parents today who came just to, just to listen to me. Um, I know, so supportive. No pressure. <laughs> So, me and Chantille just recently moved to the Comox Valley. I think we have been here for two weeks now, and we are seriously loving it. Um, We've been going around checking out different beaches, rivers, places to swim, because that is pretty much it here, right? Amen. There we go. Everybody we talk to tells us a new beach to go to. So, we're going to slowly keep checking them off the bucket list, and I'm sure people will keep telling us more. Um, But I'm the new youth pastor here at Comox Pentecostal Church, and I am super excited to be here. Um, so growing up for me, I was very invested into a youth ministry. And I was very lucky to have a youth pastor that was very loving, caring, supportive, and challenged me. Because of that youth pastor and that super impactful youth ministry that I grew up in, I was encouraged to go to Bible college. And basically that is how this all started. That is how I was encouraged to become a pastor, to step into this role of caring for youth as I felt called to walk into that. And I'm so thankful for that youth pastor and that youth ministry that impacted my life in such a great way. And I am excited to now have the honor to be able to make something like that here. I really believe that um, as the years go on and as we remain faithful, that, that God will do amazing things in the youth ministry, that we will continue to see it grow, that we will continue to see not just the numbers grow, but the relationships with Jesus grow, that, that it's not just surface level stuff, but that these students are really going deeper and getting to know Jesus really well. So... Even though I'm the youth pastor, I am still excited to meet everybody here at the church. I plan on making connections with everybody and having conversations with all the different generations here at CBC. And last week, because Pastor Mike is on vacation, um, me and Trevor actually had a great honor. Um, We got a phone call during the week, and it was my first time as a pastor that I got to do a baptism, which is awesome. So if anyone knows Maureen, Maureen actually got baptized this week, which is awesome. So I think we should clap. And it was really exciting to do a baptism with Trevor. It was a great honor, and it was lots of fun. And she had quite a few friends there, so I got to meet some of the ladies from the church and get to spend more time with them, which is always a good thing. But one thing I learned about the people at this church is that they are forgiving, because I may have made some mistakes. (laughs) I, I was called to pray for Maureen during the baptism, 
And throughout the whole prayer, I think I said her name eight to 10 times, and I, don't, I did not say it correctly once. <laughs> so I forgot the N on the end. She was Maury to me, not Maureen. Um, and when she told me that after the service, instantly I was like, oh my gosh, I actually just ruined this great moment for her by calling her the wrong name the whole time. But she was incredibly encouraging and supportive. She said she was happy I was there, which I thought she maybe wouldn't be after that. And she said that I wasn't calling her the wrong name, I just have a new nickname for her now. <laughs> so she is Maury to me, and she was the whole time, there was no mistake. That's the story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so last week, if you guys were here, Pastor Trevor shared a little bit about his wedding day, and that story included some McDonald's iced tea spilling on the wedding dress. The stain is still there today. And since me and Chantille are newlyweds and we just got married, as of tomorrow, it will be two days, it'll be one month of marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and it seriously has been awesome. Um, we got married, um, yeah, just under a month ago over in Maple Bay, close to Duncan, right on the water. It was a beautiful day. And if you ask me, it was absolutely perfect. So I actually have a photo from our wedding here that I wanted to show you guys. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it, it seriously was awesome. And the wedding day was perfect. We had a lot of fun. Um, but Shanti will tell you that the guys and girls on a wedding day, it's a little different story. So the bridesmaids were up at what time, Shanti? 4.45 a.m. <laughs> the ceremony was at 3? So that's how long it takes for all the girls to get their hair done, their makeup done. Meanwhile, I think I crawled out of bed at 11.30. <laughs> we went to the beach, we played spike ball, we went to a restaurant, we had a full lunch, we took our time, and we said, the ceremony's in 30 minutes, time to put on the suit. <laughs> and that's actually how it went. <laughs> um, the wedding was incredible, and it was really fun, and luckily enough for us, over the last couple of years, a lot of our friends have gotten married, and honeymoons have just not been possible, but, me and Chantil were able to go on a honeymoon, and we went to Hawaii. So I think I have a photo of us up here, too. Oh, yeah. And it, it seriously was awesome. Like, Hawaii was beautiful. We spent a lot of days um, just at the beach, relaxing. We did a Circle Island tour. We were on the island of Oahu. So we got to go around the island, see everything. We went to the pineapple farms. Um, and the day was perfect, other than the jellyfish that got me. <laughs> So I, got, I actually got stung by a jellyfish. It's called a Portuguese man of war. This guy knows what that is. <laughs> so if you know what that is, it's not fun to get stung by. And so when you're on these like Circle Island tours, you have, a little, you have your group on the same bus for the whole day. And we kept joking that that's our family for the day. It's Hawaiian culture, so that was our family for the day. And after getting stung by the jellyfish, this little family started to feel like a bit of a sitcom to me. We had all the classic characters. We had the one mom who was yelling at me to pee on it. Pee on the sting, pee on it. Our tour guide, luckily, is from Hawaii his whole life, and he said, please do not pee on your foot. <laughs> he said, that will make it worse, it will hurt, and you're gonna stink up the whole bus. <laughs> I think he cared more about the last part than the first part. And then we had a dad who uh, used Google a little too much. So you know, he, he, like, he's the kind of person who when he gets a stomach ache, he starts Googling everything, and he's, he's, he's prepping his funeral because Google has told him his impending doom is coming. 
So he, he was telling me, like, he was like, he's like, I don't know if you want to read this. <laughs> but he was like, but you should read it. I think you're not okay. <laughs> so he freaked me out a little bit. Like, he was pretty much telling me I'm dead soon. <laughs> so I was getting ready to say my, my goodbyes. But luckily, again, the tour guide told me that I will be fine. But I looked at him and said, no, seriously, like, am I going to be okay? And he said, you're not going to die. But, oh, it's going to hurt. <laughs> So I spent the next four hours on the bus in a lot of pain with the jellyfish sting. But other than the jellyfish sting, this uh, honeymoon was perfectly relaxing. Me and Chantilla got to sit by the beach a lot, and we just got to totally cool down, which whoever's gotten married in here knows that planning a wedding and having a wedding is not as relaxing as it may seem sometimes. It's actually incredibly stressful and takes a lot of time and energy and some people even get like nightmares before the wedding leading up, like that things are going wrong. And this is what Chantil tells me planning a wedding is like. Um, <laughs> so I showed up that day like, oh, we're outside, the wedding's outside, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what's for dinner, okay. <laughs> um, Chantil, Chantil loved wedding planning and she really took charge of that, so. It was a little bit more relaxing for me. Um, not as much for her. <laughs> Luckily for us, though, um, after relaxing in Hawaii, we did a full 180. Our honeymoon was actually a two-parter, so we left the relaxing beaches of Hawaii, and we went to the polar opposites. We actually went to Disneyland, which I love Disneyland, and Chantille loves Disneyland. Chantille's family is here today. Her parents are here, and they will go to Disneyland a lot. So, to put this into perspective, Chantille is 23. I'll be in trouble if that's wrong. <laughs> Chantille is 23, and when we went to Disneyland a couple weeks ago, she had not been in almost 10 years, yet it was still her 15th time at Disneyland, <laughs> which is unbelievably ridiculous. And I give Tom and Amanda props for taking young children to Disneyland. Because as me and Chantille spent a couple days there, we, re we realized that that does not look like fun at all. <laughs> um, at one point, there was a mom who had her, she had her child on a leash. And this child was fighting the leash so hard that he was like, this, like his face was this far from the ground, and his feet were just driving into the concrete. The mom made eye contact with Chantille and just went, uh, what are you, you going to do? <laughs> um, so I give all you parents props who take young kids to Disneyland. It was the opposite of relaxing. There's, it's hot, you're waiting in lines. But even though there's some not good things about Disneyland, they make this promise. And the promise that Disneyland makes is that you are in the happiest place on Earth. And if you ask me and Chantille, that is correct. We love Disneyland. <laughs> I love the food at Disneyland. I love the rides at Disneyland. I'm a bit of a nerd, so I spent a little bit too much money on one of those really cool fancy lightsabers that they have there now. There you go. So I got a cool lightsaber now. You see your favorite characters, you go on rides. Me and Chantil both love rides. We went on all the roller coasters. Um, it really was awesome, and we love it there. But even though there's some things throughout the day that aren't as fun, like lines and the heat and screaming children, they always end the day at Disneyland with a big show. And I think the corporate Disney is very smart. And they do this because as you're leaving the park, you don't remember the lines. You don't remember the heat. And you really do feel like Disneyland is a magical place because of these awesome shows. So on the last night of our honeymoon, they had a show at night called World of Color. 
And if anyone's seen the show, it's awesome. It's like 30 minutes long. They have water spraying up, and there's lights, and there's videos, and music, and big fire going in the sky. And it's an awesome show. And that's the kind of stuff that Chantille really likes. Like, she gets really sentimental about like, the shows at the end of the night. Um, so we wanted to get a good seat. So we got there an hour early, and we started to find a good seat so we could watch the show. And sadly for us, corporate Disney loves their money. So the first probably 1,000 good seats were roped off, and you had to pay to get in there. Um, so they kicked us out. Um, we were pretty sad. I coped with a corn dog. Um, <laughs> Sadly, Chantille is gluten-free, so she did not get a coping mechanism, and she had to deal with the sadness in a different way. <laughs> um, so we found a little ribbon that we could stand, and we thought that would maybe be a good spot to go stand and watch the show. We waited there for a little bit, and then, to our surprise, someone working at Disneyland actually came up to us, and he invited us past the ribbon, and we thought we were going to get to go past a couple ribbons, but just the first ribbon. So he opened up pretty much a three little concrete steps for us, so we got three concrete steps that were still really far back, but me and Chantille had a place to sit, and if you've been to Disneyland, you know that finding a place to sit is the dream. And so we had a place to sit, and we were able to watch the show from there, and we were getting excited, and, but we were about three minutes from showtime. And this is when the worker came back to us, and he actually said, you know what, come with me. And he actually did let us pass a few more ribbons. So I think I have a photo of where we're sitting up here. Look at that. So he let us pass a couple ribbons and sat us at these high-top chairs at a, at a high-top table, and immediately other workers came to kick us out. <laughs> and Chantille was not having it. <laughs> I was about to say, sorry, we'll leave, and Chantille was like, no, he said we can be in here. Where is he? So Chantille was going to fight tooth and nail to stay in this seat. Um, luckily enough, he did come over, and he did tell them, hey, they're good. Like, I let them in tonight. And they gave us our wristbands, so we were proven that we were allowed to be in there. And as you can see on the table, that is a lot of dessert and a Coke and food. So they brought that over to us, and we said, no, seriously, like, we did not pay to be in here. We do not need food. We do not need drinks. And that's when he said that we are Mickey's special guests. <laughs> and on Disneyland, we get to eat and have a fun time for free. Later that night, we did Google a little bit of the prices, what it costed to get in there. And let's say we are thankful that we got let in for free. <laughs> but... It was an amazing experience, and we were so thankful, and it was a great gift from the Disneyland worker. And we felt really lucky, because there was like, we were the only two people in the whole park that got let in for free. Like, another guy tried, and they kicked him out, and we were just watching, and we were like, hope he doesn't know that we just got in here for free, because they're kicking this poor guy out. Um, but that was kind of the theme of our honeymoon. We were feeling very thankful and grateful, because things kind of, like, that just kind of, that doesn't happen very often. It just kind of goes your way that night. You just kind of get lucky. And, our whole honeymoon was actually a gift. Um, the hotels were a gift, the flights were a gift. Um, so we feel incredibly lucky. And I say all that to say that sometimes it is very hard to receive gifts. And I am not always the best gift receiver. Um, I'm not good at surprises, I don't like being shocked. Like one time I hadn't seen Chantille in six months, and she surprised me, and my initial reaction was, no. <laughs> And then I gave her a hug and tried to encourage her. I was like, no, 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 I'm happy you're here, seriously. I, I just didn't, I didn't really know what to do. Um, and last Christmas, I was with Chantille's family, um, but not for Christmas Day. So because I was leaving before Christmas Day, they wanted me to open their gifts in front of them, which meant that I had to sit here and open up a couple gifts with everybody watching 
where I am not able to give anybody else a gift, <laughs> and it's just me, <laughs> which I really don't like. <laughs> um, if it were up to me, I would love to open gifts in private because I think it could be the gift that I want more than anything in the world, and you will think that I hate it. Like, I just, I just can't give a good reaction. So I encourage people, I'm like, no, seriously, I love it, seriously. I promise. I promise this is a good gift. Thank you. Um, but I keep saying this because today's passage in Hebrews, um, we're going to be continuing our series. So today's passage in Hebrews that I'm talking about warns us of rejecting great gifts. And you want to be able to accept gifts because you don't want to miss out on things. You don't want to miss out on things that God has for you. You don't want to miss out on a vacation. You don't want to miss out on giving somebody else the joy of giving a gift. So as a church, we've been going through Hebrews. We've been going through the series called Compare Jesus. We had Pastor Mike preach on the high priest and how Jesus is greater. And then last week, we had Pastor Trevor preach on how Jesus is the better hope. And Trevor actually did amazing, and I think we should clap for Trevor because it was really good. I have been having a great time going through the book of Hebrews, um, just studying it, diving into it, and seeing how Christ is revealed through Hebrews. It's been amazing. So, the book of Hebrews is incredibly encouraging. It warns us what not to do, and it encourages us what to do. We are encouraged to remain faithful. The whole point of the series, and the whole point of Hebrews, this is a little spoiler alert because we're comparing Jesus, but Jesus is better. That's the spoiler, okay? I think, I think we all got that, but that's the spoiler. So, to start in my little section of Hebrews today, I think we're going to start with a verse. Um, so it's Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6. And it says, Now you see Jesus has obtained a vastly superior ministry. In the same way, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Now in this verse, we quickly see that they're talking about the old covenant to the new covenant. It says that the new covenant is greater. It is established on these great promises. And we are going to talk about those promises today. That is the whole point of my sermon today. It's called, Jesus is the Better Promise. So, I figured since the new promise is the new covenant, that we could take a little bit of a look back to the old, old covenant. So the old covenant takes place in the Old Testament, and it's God's promise to Israel. And now, in the old covenant, it came with a certain lifestyle. You had to live a certain way, act a certain way. There were certain practices that had to take place. Um, and, and as the Israelites were practicing out those practices that they were called to do, God's promise was to protect them and watch over his people. And in scripture, we see this many times, the most famous one being um, when God helped Moses free the slaves from Israel. I mean, free the slaves from Egypt, the Israelites. <laughs> Um, and some of these lifestyle practices that the Israelites were living involved sacrifices. And this is kind of weird, and we can all be thankful we don't have to do this anymore. But, so in the Old Covenant, in order to be forgiven when you make mistakes, that you actually had to build this altar. So this is what they were doing in the Old Covenant. You build this altar, and you bring an animal, <clears throat> and you actually have to kill the animal. You make the sacrifice. Um, and that is because there was a bit more of a gap between humanity and God. The close personal relationship in the Old Covenant wasn't quite what it is today. Um, so you had to go to greater lengths to be forgiven. You have to sacrifice an animal. So, in the first verse it says it's established on better promises. But we have another verse that I'm going to go to today that kind of explains what that promise is. So in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 11 to 12, it says... No longer will they teach their neighbor 
or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And this is good news. Like that, that verse is a great thing to read. It's encouraging. It says, we will be forgiven. Our sins will not be remembered. We don't have to ask people. We can know the Lord personally. God says, from the least to the greatest, we will know him. Now, this new verse is referring to the new covenant. Our sins are now forgotten. We are close to God. And it says clearly that the new covenant is better. It is established on better promises. It is the new humanity that was created. So, in the old covenant, we had sacrifices. You had to sacrifice an animal to be forgiven. But, because the new covenant is split between the death and resurrection of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice was paid already. When God sent his son to die on the cross, that was the ultimate sacrifice that paid it for all of us. And that is a promise in the new covenant that is better. God paid the ultimate sacrifice so we do not have to. So now, instead of having to slaughter an animal, which we don't want to do, right? We don't want to do that. Forgiveness is actually very personal now. When Jesus resurrected from the death, that bridge was gapped. And we now are able to speak directly to God, to Jesus, to have that close personal relationship where we can say, God, please forgive me. And he will, because he paid the sacrifice. And that is a great promise in the New Testament. That gap is bridged. Our access to God is so much greater. We are able to speak to God whenever we want. We're able to, he listens to us. He's here for us. He's watching over us. That is a great promise in the new covenant. From the least to the greatest, they will know him. Now, when we're talking about the new covenant, this is incredibly good news. This is stuff that I get excited about, and this is stuff that we all should be excited about. This is the stuff that we should be reading and studying and getting excited to share with our coworkers, with our family, with our friends. So, when we're talking about the promises that the new covenant is established on and how they are greater, there's a big one that is promised for us that we will not be left alone. So I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. So you're one of Jesus' disciples. So for the last couple of years, you have been following Jesus around. You have been learning from him, watching him do all these miraculous things. And, and you're just in awe. You're worshiping him. He is God. And then one day he sits you down. He tells you that he is leaving. He's leaving earth. You will be left without Jesus. Now, if you're one of the disciples right now, you would probably be, be a little scared. You'd be a little worried and you would not know what is to come for you. You are Jesus' disciple, and Jesus will no longer be with you. But Jesus encourages them. He says in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. <clears throat> so in that verse alone, it's Jesus speaking, and we see him say, I will ask the Father, and he will give us the Spirit. Now, Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are not separate. Um, we believe that that is the Holy Trinity. So Holy Spirit is one-third of that Trinity. So Father, Holy Spirit, and the Son. That is all one, one God. But as Jesus was leaving earth, we were promised a great promise and that was that we will not be left alone. We will not be left alone here on this earth, yet the Holy Spirit will be here for us, empowering us, watching over us, and the ability of the Holy Spirit is to be everywhere at once, so none of us are left alone. Because the world is promising us, us not to be alone, 
there are many times where the world tells us that we will be alone. So for an example, growing up, I went to a public school, and in middle school, I was told and promised by the world that if I really went to church and really invested in the youth ministry, that I would lose my friends, that I would not be very cool, that I would be considered a little bit of a weirdo because I'm going to church. And that was a promise that I was starting to believe, that I would lose my community, that I would lose my friends. But I was faithful. My mom made me go to youth group. Um, and God had a better promise for me. So maybe when I went to youth group, sure, maybe I did lose some friends at school. Maybe I did lose that community. But God's promise is greater, and he wanted me in part of that youth ministry. So when I went there, I was provided a better community. His promise is that we are not left alone. I was provided friends that pushed me. I was provided friends that knew about Jesus, who could help me and walk with me. And if it wasn't for that youth ministry or those friends, I don't want to know what I would look like today. I am so thankful that I was able to have that community, that God promises us that we will not be alone, that we will be watched over. And I hope that we can create a culture like that here at CPC. I hope that in our youth group, when we have students come, they feel welcomed immediately, that they gain a community, that they gain friends, that they gain love. Amen. That's the goal. So the world tells us that we will be lonely. But because of the sacrifice, because of the new covenant, being lonely is actually an option. We have the choice to choose God. We have the choice to look towards Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that is such a better promise than what the world has for us. We are promised that we will not be alone. We are promised that the Holy Spirit is here. Now the Holy Spirit is, is named a couple things in the New Testament. We hear, it, we hear it described as a comforter. We hear it described as a helper. We hear it described as a protector. And how many times in the world, or the enemy, when Satan speaks to you, how many times are those things falsely promised to you? You're promised that you'll be comforted, but you're always left uncomfortable. You're promised that you'll be helped, but you always feel lonely. But we are told that God will not let us down. This new covenant is established on better promises. We will not be alone. God is there for us, and our promises will be answered. Now, a big part of this is accepting that gift. It can be difficult to accept gifts. That's what I said. And God has challenged us to accept. He gives us so many gifts that, and I think we need to think about it a little more because if I have tough times accepting a Christmas gift, then maybe it should be a little hard to accept the greatest gift of all time. But I think the Holy Spirit gets a grip of your heart and he makes it a little bit easier because when you accept that gift, it's the greatest gift you'll ever accept and you feel it right away. So, this new covenant allows us to have this new close relationship with God. And we're promised an easy way to salvation. The new covenant is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So when Jesus defeats death and takes away the sting of death, that is something we no longer have to fear as believers. We do not fear death because we know that when we go somewhere after, it will be so much greater than what is here for us on earth. We are going somewhere better because Jesus... God has prepared a place for us in heaven. And that is a great promise. And they make it so simple for us. We are wanted in heaven. There's no hoops that we have to jump through. He wants us. So in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Now, I think for the majority of us, when we think about getting into heaven, getting into eternal life, you think it would be a little trickier than that. But it's not. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You will be saved. Now, because it is that simple, now I know it's so much deeper than that, but because it's that simple, that is great news and a great gift that we've been given, and how easy is that to explain and share with our friends and family? That is incredible. And when we're talking about eternal life, when we're talking about the reality of heaven or hell, we must recognize that that's pretty serious now. We're talking about eternal life. And there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, If Christianity is false, it is of zero importance. But if Christianity is true, infinite importance. So what this, ver- what this quote is kind of encouraging is that there's not really supposed to be this lukewarm, wade-in-the-water middle area of Christianity. Because if you believe it, we're talking about eternal life. And if it's not true, then of course there's nothing. But of course, here at CPC, we believe that it is everything. We believe that it is infinite importance. We believe that there is eternity. So it's time to stop. Like, we want to try to avoid that middle ground because we're talking about salvation. It is infinite importance. Be all in. So, today we have focused on the sacrifice and covenant in the New Testament, which is established on better promises. From the least to the greatest, they will know me. That's a great promise. The gap was bridged. That's a great promise. Eternal life. That's a great promise. The Holy Spirit comforting us and empowering us. Is that not a great promise? Our sins will be forgotten. We don't have to sacrifice animals. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. That is an incredible promise. Now, these promises completely outweigh the world's promises. I believe that. The world's promises are nothing compared to the promises of God, the promises that Jesus has for us. Now, in each of these sections of Hebrews, it is informing us on something good, but it is also warning us on something bad. So in this section, because we're talking about God's promises, Jesus' promises versus the world's promise, we are warned. We are warned of rejecting God. We are warned of turning our back to these great gifts and not accepting these promises. We are warned against accepting these promises. And there are so many models of faith throughout Scripture who have proven to us, who have set the way to be faithful, to look to God, to trust in his promises, and and show us that it works out. People like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and there are so many other people in Scripture who show us that when we do not turn our backs on God, our promises will not be left alone, but they will be answered. We see the fruits in Scripture that come from their harvest, their faithfulness, their their acceptance of his gifts. We see that God does not leave them. God does not leave them alone, but God promises, and he fills those promises. It works out for them. We see evidence of it. So, I'm going to call the band back up because we're going to end with a song soon. But I want to challenge you guys today because sometimes we put our trust into a lot of things and we don't really think about it. So I challenge everybody to reflect and to start to think about where your promises, what are you putting your faith into? What promises are you believing? What promises are you letting get into your heart? Are you letting the word of God soak into your heart or are you letting the word of the enemy take you away from that? 
God calls us to be great at giving gifts, to be selfless. But just as important, we are called to be good at receiving gifts, which is a lot harder for us. So I challenge you to reflect and think about the great gifts that you have in your life, how lucky you are and how grateful you are that you have the people around you. You have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Think about those gifts that we've been given and think about how lucky we are to be able to receive them. And if you have a problem with receiving them, pray about it. Open the Bible and read about it and challenge yourself to be better at accepting great gifts because you are worthy of accepting great gifts. That is God's word. He says from the least to the greatest, they will know me. Now, God's promise is so much better. And I want to challenge everyone to believe that because I know for some people it's tricky. When we start talking about perfect promises, that can be difficult for some people. Because if every single one of us in this room were to describe perfect promises, all of our perfect would look different, right? So it can be difficult sometimes for people to think about this one being creating everything perfect because maybe his perfect isn't our perfect. But that is why we're challenged by this quote. We're challenged to be faithful because the quote is, God is not who we want him to be. That's not the point of God. He's not just supposed to be what we want. God is who he needs to be. He is good, he is perfect, and he is just. And part of Christianity is putting our faith into that. Part of it is just believing and saying, God, you are good. I, I give up my human thoughts and I trust in you. Your perfect ways are the perfect ways. You know right and I know wrong. Now it can be challenging, but we have to put our faith into that. We have to trust that. We have to believe in that. We are called to remain faithful. So many times in scripture, we are shown that God will not leave us. We will not be left alone, but those promises will be fulfilled. The promises the world promises are gonna be left empty. You'll be uncomfortable and you'll be lonely. But if you put your faith into God, into Jesus, you will be comforted, you will be protected, you will be watched over. And that is the great promise that this new covenant is established on. So I challenge you guys to think about that. So right now the band's going to sing another song, and then I'm going to come up and I'll say a prayer and we'll be dismissed. But, but during this song, I want you guys to sing, I want you to worship, but I also want you to think about it a little bit. Be thankful of the gift that we have received from God. Speak that during worship today. God, God, thank you for today. Thank you that we are able to show up today and worship you and learn more about you, God. Thank you that you are close. Thank you that you are present. Thank you that you've left your Holy Spirit to protect us. Thank you that you are faithful on your promises. God, I pray that as we go forward, God, that as we leave today, Jesus, we're able to reflect and be grateful for your promises. We're so thankful for you. Thankful that we get to show up on a Sunday morning and worship freely. That we get to praise you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for owning this space. Thank you for inviting us into this space and welcoming us so that we can worship you, so that we can speak to you, so that you can listen to us and we can hear from you. God, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Thank you guys for coming today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, a couple reminders. Like Trevor said, we're going to be decorating for day camp. 
So if anybody wants to help out, you guys can stick around. But if you don't want to help out, if you got lunch plans, if you're going to go hang out with people, you're free to go. You're officially dismissed. Um, me and Pastor Trevor are always here if you guys need to come for prayer or to talk to anybody. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday. It's beautiful outside. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.